welcome to Specialized, a podcast about living in the special needs community as educators, parents, and community leaders. I'm Wayne. I'm Tina. And I'm Diana. And we've got a fourth with us over here. Uh, to Normally we record while Emily is asleep in, in beds at night, but today it's during the day. And we thought, hey, it'd be great if Emily would join us at the table. Uh, so uh, she may not necessarily chime in, or she may. We don't, we don't really know. But, you know, uh, we had a lot of fun just in the last couple of episodes talking about going back to school, right? And, like, you know, what that was like. And then uh, talking about Disney and just experiencing Disney and, you know, what we're doing in that. And so today we wanted to keep going with the podcast on, on, on those topics that we had brought up. And so one of those was initiating interaction, initiating interaction with uh, children with special needs. So you guys excited about that? Yeah. (laughs) 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 So a lot of times, you know, when you have a child with special needs, depending on what it is that they're dealing with, you end up kind of getting those folks that are, uh, maybe they're staring, maybe they're looking, maybe they act like they want to talk to you or find out what's going on, but they may be afraid to you know what i mean and so a lot of times yeah we get the looks from children and even adults um but the thing is is that we try to kind of keep in mind is there people um are for you know they're people first so and disabilities can be visible or non-visible yeah and and folks may just be curious like Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so like they they may not experience folks with special needs very often and they kind of like you know when we are pushing a wheelchair immediately there's like an object you know what i mean that people are kind of looking at or checking out and uh especially like kids sometimes kids you know they they see a wheelchair for the very first time you know when you when you walk into the room and they're trying to you know right and they're curious it about it and how it works and why is she, why especially she i say for emily why is she sitting in it you know why can't she walk like me they have all the questions yeah. but it ends up kind of coming out with the stairs. Yeah, well, and that's, yeah, that's like you the know, first just, thing you start to notice. Yeah, so um, there was a huge initiation that came out a while ago. Um, just say hello. Yeah. So, you know, we, we always kind of initiate that as parents of a child with special needs and saying, well, hello, friend. <laughs> you know, so we try to kind of get Emily to wave her hand at them or reach out to them or something like that. Um just to initiate ourselves to start conversation um, with children so that it's not a, a, f- a thing to fear. It's not someone to be nervous around or anything like that. We want to make sure that we break down, you know, any kind of stigma or stereotype or anything like that and just let them know, hey, she's a person too. She's a kid just like you. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's that's why, like, when we wanted to kind of put together, like, a little list of what we wanted to talk about, we just grabbed like three different notes on things and decided, hey, let's just kind of unpack some of these and just kind of talk about it. So the first one was initiate, you know, just kind of taking that, you know, that point of like, hey, just say hello, just, you know, say hi. Um, and so this is going to be a good conversation for everybody, you know, whether you're a parent of a child with special needs, an educator or a friend or just if you stumbled upon us uh, just from out of nowhere. Uh, let's talk about initiating. You know, let's let's open up with that first. What's the best? Um, what are some of the you know just the best practices when it comes to initiating conversation with a family or a child with special needs? What do you think? So I think um, a lot of the times when we are not sure or 
don't want to pry too much or don't want to offend, which I think um, is not always necessarily the case when you're when you're curious about maybe a, a child's disability or a person's disability. I think it's always wise to kind of come up come or approach a situation with kind of an open mind and an open heart. And I think as a parent too, to approach someone who you know, you can pick up on body language and gesture that they're curious too, to approach with an open mind and an open heart too. Um, Because more times than none, they're genuinely concerned and genuinely want to know and understand maybe what your child is going through or maybe what you as a parent are going through. So I think the initial interaction and, and, you know, initiation of conversation that I always try to implement myself is, you know, hey, would you mind telling me about your story or your child's story? And just emphasizing that and that just kind of segues into them sharing a little bit or a lot of it (laughs) or a lot about their child's story. It could, you know, many times it kind of breaks down the defenses and it, right. And, you know, because a lot of times as parents, we do put defenses up and that's okay because we are our child's voice. We are our child's advocate. You know, it's our job to protect them. But in times too, I also think that it's our job to educate others who, you know, who we encounter and have the opportunity to teach because if children are not allowed to speak and interact with, you know, children or others with disabilities or other abilities, you know, then they're not learning to have an inclusive mindset or they're not learning to interact with just different people, different abilities and things like that. So it's, it's really important to have those teachable moments with your kids, whether they're typical or with special needs. Um, but I just, I love opening or initiating the conversation with parents, especially, Hey, would you mind sharing your story or your child's story with me? And again, it just kind of breaks down that defense. I'm not curious, like I didn't mention diagnosis. I didn't mention what's wrong with your child. I didn't mention, you know, why can't they, I'm focusing on more of a positive light on it. And I know there's a story. I know there was a journey that's been traveled. So just kind of opening up that conversation so the parent can share as little or as much as they they feel comfortable sharing. Yeah, you said it was funny because like um, a lot of times, you know, you run into parents that don't have a, any kind of, um, they're not ready to have a conversation with you about, you know, your child's special needs. So like if their child starts kind of, getting curious or whatever a lot of times other parents will you know say you know come here or or don't bother that child or don't bother you know them and and it's it's important to be able to just have an open communication be able to let you know let your child be curious some of the best questions come from kids mm-hmm. because kids aren't afraid you know the kids you know will you know they'll be really blunt with their questions like you know some kids will come up you know to Emily and they'll go why didn't she talk you know or they'll say you know why is she sitting here you know and and it's just a cool opportunity to it's funny because like you can't ask those as an adult, you know, as an adult, it's not appropriate. You know what I mean? You to, can. To, well, you, you can, I guess. <laughs> they might. You know, but it's just one of those things where it, just being able to be curious and say, yeah, like, hey, what's your story? And let that kind of unfold. I know a lot of times you run into like some real funny encounters with, you know, kids and questions. Yes. Well, uh, just being around Emily is how I pretty much learned the answers to all these questions. Like I didn't go to school for special education I didn't you know it's just from being around you and from talking to you guys who are the parents because then I got to learn her story her abilities and things like that um learned about what therapies she's in and then that's that's how I'm better able to communicate 
to let's even just say kids who are asking like, hey, why? Like they'll say, why is she in that chair? Like, why can't she walk? So I just say something like, well, she, you know, she has a like a gait trainer or a walker at home and she's learning how to walk in that, but her muscles aren't strong enough yet. And so I can talk to them like that and give them that, you know, that kind of information, not necessarily like her diagnosis because they they aren't going to know what that means necessarily. <laughs> but um, so just just learning from you guys and being with, you know, the kid and learning more about them just, just helps. And with I, the interactions. I like what you're saying, too, is just kind of like her muscles aren't quite strong enough, but she's learning. Right. So focusing on the abilities and the skills that are emerging, mm-hmm. I think, is great, too. And, you know, as parents sharing the strengths of your child versus the limitations right. of your child and allowing that focus to come in your conversation when you share your story, um, because then it kind of breaks down the fears of, you know, what happened, you yeah. know, did something tragic happen or, yeah. you know, is this contagious or is this going to happen to me, especially talking to children? Those questions do come up. And if we can just say, hey, she was, you know, born this way, her muscles mm-hmm. are not strong enough. And yes, tragedies do happen and accidents do happen where children and adults lose some of the, the skills that they once had. But even in that, you're still learning. Those muscles are still strengthening and growing. And so in and through whatever circumstance it may be, focusing on the strengths is so important so that it, you know, it kind of breaks down those fears of like or even like the what ifs. And they and they all have strengths, too, because like remember that one situation we were actually getting our nails done. And then the, the lady that was doing my nails was asking what I do. I told her and then she was. What like, do you do, by the way, in case anybody comes in on episode four oh, for the first sorry. time? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a teacher, and I work in a medically fragile classroom. So <clears throat> most of my kids are in wheelchairs, or um, they non-verbal have, they're nonverbal, or have mobility issues. Their medical needs usually outweigh their academic needs or abilities. But um, So I was getting my nails done, and then the lady was asking about my job, what I do, and then she was like, you know, like the... Oh, that's sad. And like that whole, you know, and I'm like, well, I kind of enjoy it. That's why I do it. But (laughs) so, but you know, that's just kind of people's first reaction, you know, when they hear about kids that have special needs. But, um, and then she asked like, so is there like any, what should you say? Something like, is there like any hope for them to learn anything? I'm like, well, of course. I'm like, they have, they have plenty of different goals that they're working on individually that, and that they can make progress in and they are making progress and they have you know all sorts of abilities that they're able but you know right and I was just going to say in that certain circumstance there was a cultural difference too um where in this lady's culture she was not really exposed to children and adults with disabilities um in this particular culture most of them were institutionalized Mm -hmm. And I think with that, the, the lack of exposure and lack of community, um, you know, really h- hindered her mm-hmm. learning and hindered her ability to be able to see past the limitation. Right. Um, in America, you know, we don't, we're not bound in our homes. We're not, our children don't have to be institutionalized or kept from being a part of society. And, you know, and so we encourage families get out there and be a part of your community and really again, have that open heart and open mind to be able to communicate and share your stories with those that you encounter so that, um, so that, you know, the exposure is there for those that are non-disabled 
to to see these people, you know, that they are a part of their society. Mm. You know, like the thing is too, um, to kind of, and then we can go to the next point is that a lot of times when people ask questions, and I, especially as parents, and I think even as you know, as educators, because you have a passion, you know, for for kids with special needs, and and so do we. It's like a lot of times you can choose to be offended by mm-hmm. questions, mm-hmm. you know, or you can choose to inform and engage. You know, it's one of those things where a lot of times I, I know sometimes as a dad, you know, I mean, it's like I, you know, I realize people will ask me a question in a form that they aren't they're not prepared to even ask yet. You know what I mean? So they don't even know. And so a lot of times those questions like what's wrong with her or even like, Hey, what's her diagnosis? I had somebody ask me that one time, what's her diagnosis? And in my head, I'm like, that's kind of like a weird opening question, you know, but it's probably, they were probably thinking like, what's the best word I could use to ask what's going on, you know? Mm -hmm. And you could choose to be offended at that. And I don't think that's healthy. You know, I think it's probably better to say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to inform. And a lot of times whenever I get questions, I always open with, well, this is Emily. And I introduce my actual daughter that's here, you know. And so Mm -hmm. we're asking questions and talking about her. But let's actually, you know, interact with her. And yeah, (laughs) she agrees. (laughs) She does agree. And and, and so going from there, then you begin to inform. You begin that process. And I think you end up some really great conversations because a lot of times people just don't they they Mm -hmm. don't know. And so, uh, you know, so that's, you know, the init- the initiating part, you know, it, b- don't be afraid to initiate. And then I, I think, think, well, before yeah. we jump into that, I think that's important too to keep in mind um, is that any person that we encounter, any person is a person first, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, any person that we encounter, whether they have a disability or whether they do not have a disability, every person is a person first and should be respected and held uh, to, to regard, you know, they, they have value, you know, to the life, to society around us. So we need to take the opportunity. And um, we, particularly in working at Ability Tree, we kind of help our volunteers and, and help others in society through trainings and stuff to keep a person first language. Um, so we don't want to focus in on the labels and focus right. in on the disabilities and you know, yes, somebody might ask, what's your child's diagnosis? Oh, they're autistic child or they're a Down syndrome child. No, they're a child first. That's what needs to come mm-hmm. first is the person. Emily is Emily. I love how you say you introduce, hey, this is Emily. First mm-hmm. of all, this is Emily. And that's who she is. <laughs> she is Emily. And Just it's clapping. not the wheelchair. It's not, you know, Yes, the drool that might come down her <laughs> mouth when she's trying to get it, getting excited. Um, it, it's not about the, the, like I said, the limitations, but she is a person first and needs to be respected just as any child or any person that we encounter right. and be interacted with or initiated with just like you would mm-hmm. any child or any adult that you approach. Hello, how are you? Are you having a good day? Yeah. You know, so on and so forth. Do you enjoy the sunshine? Are you enjoying the playground? Wh- wherever the interaction is taking place. Yeah. But having that conversation and treating them as a person first rather than seeing the limitation mm-hmm. that they're challenged by. And, and it's good, you know, it's like you said, like when you're interacting, it's great to be able to ask, you know, yes or no questions right. and give them time to process and think about, you know, those answers. And so I, I do like that, you know, idea of like, you know, hey, are you know, are you enjoying the playground? Are you enjoying the park? And, you know, just asking, you know, yes, or no questions. 
to see how they interact. And a lot of times, you know, the parents will explain to you, you know, this is how they, you know, they do mm-hmm. interact, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. That's really, uh, I, you know, I like the idea of, you know, when, when you're going there, don't be afraid to initiate because, you know, um, parents aren't usually afraid of questions. And if you're a parent, when somebody initiates, don't be afraid to inform and not be not be offended. You know, just, you know, go right. from there. Another way that you can, um, you know, really kind of interact is through accommodating. You know, accommodations are are a huge part. A lot of times, you know, um, if you are trying to be help, I know a lot of times we're afraid to be helpful because we're gonna, you know, we would say, you know, I don't, oh, I don't want to mess anything up. It kind of looks like you've got everything under control or you're doing your own thing. So I don't want to offer help or offer accommodation. But that's, you know, accommodation is is a great way to be able to interact and, and even get to know, you know, someone um, and their, you know, disabilities and everything and just finding out a little bit more just by saying, how can I help? Right. And even in the interacting, as you said, it was a great segue into accommodating is asking yes or no questions. That's, yeah. that's an actual accommodation, mm-hmm. exactly. um, helping them basic communication and then allowing them the time to process and give you an answer, whether it's a gesture, whether it's a verbal communication, something that they say, or whether it's um, even like body movement, you know, body language. Um, Emily sometimes responds in very different ways. It could be a squeal to a sign language to kicking her, her feet, kicking, yes, kicking and, and being excited and clapping even. So she has different ways in which she communicates, but so does everybody, mm-hmm. you know. Some of us communicate in great ways. So saying yes or no. Is, is a great way to start, or yes, no question, excuse me, <laughs> yes or no questions, um, or is a great accommodation. Um, simple things to accommodate. I know, like, um, offering help, yes, is a great way, but sometimes we're a little tentative of, you know, of, of offending, um, where they seem to have it all together, but simple things like opening the door. You yeah. know, somebody's coming your way, <laughs> They have a, a bag in tow, a wheelchair in tow or whatever. But, you know, keeping in mind and taking those few extra seconds or minutes that it takes to just hold that door for them so that they can get through mm-hmm. um, without having <clears throat> to juggle the door, the bag and, you know, the child in the wheelchair or the adult in the, with the wheelchair. So just be mindful. Uh, look around you and your environment to see ways that simple ways even that you can help accommodate. Leave the handicap stall available and mm-hmm. open if you don't need it. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of people think just because somebody um, isn't necessarily in there at the time using it, that they can have the right to use it, which, you know, tech, nobody's going to arrest you or anything for using it. But maybe I will. But, <laughs> <laughs> but keeping in mind, there are people who need it. Mm-hmm. You know, Whether there's a changing table in there mm-hmm. or just for extra space for a wheelchair or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, or right. just because it's a handicapped bathroom and it's, the toilets might be lower or higher or Mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. Well, and even in the case of like, you know, the, the parking spot, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? The handicapped parking spot. I know that even it's one of those things where it's okay. Like, you know, there's, you know, there's a law, there's the law, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And there's, you know, so sure it's against the law to park in a handicapped spot if you don't have a handicapped decal. But at the same time, um, you know, a lot of folks ignore that and they're like, well, I'm going to park here and just run right in, or right. they're going to ignore it and, uh, and, and say, hey, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm just waiting for somebody. Right. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Or a lot of times people will park uh, and right over that white 
you know, uh, slanted yeah. lines, you know, all like the white the line. Extra space. Yeah. yeah. And and like that's necessary, mm-hmm. for, especially if you have ramps and if you need, you know, help getting into your vehicle. And, and that's and stuff that like I didn't even know. I mean, the handicapped spot, don't park in it if you're not handicapped. I, I knew that. But like right. the whole like um, like the space on either side of the of the vehicles and, you know, in those handicapped spots. I didn't I didn't think about that until yeah. I was with you guys. And then. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes a big difference that she can't get in and out of the vehicle because either a car's parked too close or they're parked in those, you know, slanted lines where they're not supposed to be parked. So that makes a big difference. And it's an accommodation for people that are in wheelchairs. So don't ruin that. (laughs) Let that be an accommodation. Yeah. You know, it's a safety hazard. You Mm -hmm. know, honestly, if you're parking in those spots, they're not able to get into in and out of the vehicle Mm -hmm. safely. Right. Not that it can't be done sometimes, but the safety of it, you know, is what matters most because, you know, already they're facing immense, you know, challenges and difficulties. We don't want to make it that much more difficult. So there's other ways that you could be accommodating. Let's just say if you have a family in your uh, in your life that has a child with special needs or disability. I want to tell like a quick story. Okay of a birthday party that Emily was invited to. Okay. So <laughs> she's chiming in. <laughs> she's chiming in. Uh, so Emily was invited to a birthday party and her friend um you know likes Emily and it, this wasn't like a like a forced like you know you got to invite every child in your class, you know, kind of thing. This was you know Emily got a specific invite to come, you know, to this child's birthday party and they had a monster truck theme birthday, you know. And so that was going to be cool and one of the cool things that they had fun activity was they had a table laid out with a special, you know, uh, a, a special monster truck rally Activity. track. Yeah. yeah. And so it was like this big track and the monster trucks were going to go over it and everything. And it was, you know, it was a lot of fun, really cool looking. Like you could tell that they worked hard on just creating this entire little environment for the monster trucks. Well, this one child that invited Emily to come to the party knew that Emily may not be able to wheel up to that table and be able to interact with everybody else in that same way so they made this is the coolest thing they made a smaller track that fit on emily's tray at the party so that emily can have her own monster truck track to play with and that's just one of those things where again just it was a small simple gesture but it meant the world to us Mm -hmm. because not only did you know the child think you know Mm -hmm. to do something like that but our friend was able to make it happen as well yeah let's make this cool you know track just for emily to be able to use during the the party and i think everybody else thought it was cool because we you know we put it on her tray and then kids started coming around to her (laughs) to to play with her her and and do monster trucks with her and and that was just a lot of fun but I, i think like just simple just simple tweaks to things. If you have a family in your life that has mm-hmm. a child with a disability, you know, just one simple thing like, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to build a ramp, you know, or I'm going to have a ramp handy just in case they need to come in easy or. Or the parking at the house, you know, especially birthdays and, and you know, going to people's houses. It's not easy and it's not something that um, most families with children with special needs look forward to. Um, it's it's approached with with a lot of hesitation a lot of planning a lot of strategizing Um, but if others would consider the the simple accommodations and just helping these families navigate their way toward your home or being a part of your your activity or whatever you have planned whether it's a birthday party a family dinner or whatever it may be something as simple as clearing the driveway 
you know, right. not not parking it or filling it up with all of the cars so that the wheelchair can get through and up to the door with without um, without, you know, the block the road cars and obstacles <laughs> and yeah, toys and, and different things in the way. Um, so something like that is 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 a simple way to just know that that family is valued and that you want them to be you make things as simple as possible for them. Um, something else that recently happened, another birthday party. Um, a friend of ours was having a, a birthday party at two different locations and or she was planning two different locations. And then she kind of reached out. She's like, before I decide and finalize, you know, this party and the location, because, you know, my son really loves both these places. But we want to make sure that everybody can participate and have a part in in the birthday party and really enjoy themselves. She said, so she asked my input ahead of time. What would Emily be able to do? You know, how would she be able to navigate through these two different places? One seems a little bit more, you know, wheelchair friendly and accessible and one's maybe not so much. But would she be able to get, you know, to handle one or over the other, so on and so forth. And one um, location, well, she's been to both locations. I have not, but <laughs> she's been with a friend, took her, and one location was really rough terrain, and it wasn't quite accessible. She wasn't able to get up to the... I got a good workout her, that right? day. Yeah, because yep. <laughs> Diana took her to this, this location, and it wasn't... It wasn't easy to yeah. get through, and it wasn't in really enjoyable for the adults <laughs> either. <laughs> then the other the other location was a farm, and fortunately, they had built out the farm to make it a little bit more accessible, even terrain yeah. and accessible. And now there were some spots and things, but that was okay. We were able to push through because the ground was hard and mm. um, able to get through and around. Um, so I, anyway, the fact that she asked me ahead of time before she finalized this party, she knew she wanted Emily to be a part of her son's birthday. She knew she wanted our family to be a part of what was this celebration of their family. Um, so, which was so special. And, you know, we would have made either one of them work, mm -hmm. you know, whether we were carrying right. Emily or carrying her chair through the locations or whatever. But the fact that she spent the time to ask me ahead of time to, in order to finalize the detail for the party so that Emily could be comfortable and still be a part of everything truly meant the world yeah. to me. You know, the fact that she cared so much and wanted my child to be a part of her son's birthday and celebrating them, you know, and celebrating his, you know, his, he only turns three once, mm -hmm. you know, his third birthday, you know, was, was truly just, just touched my heart and meant the world to me. So something simple like that, just asking, Hey, what can we do? Or yeah. will this location work for your child? Is it too overstimulating? Is it accessible? Is it, you know, will it work for them? Mm -hmm. Or what can we do in place of, or if this is where the location will be, what can we do to make sure that your child is accommodated for and uh, you know, and I love the idea of kind of having to to think ahead. So, all right. So, Diana, when you were setting up your classroom, so like your classroom is all accommodation because it's like, you know, you have kids with mobility issues. They're in wheelchairs. They're in walkers and all that. So, what goes through your mind? You know, even hmm. even now, like you're several weeks into the school year. Like, what, what goes through your mind when it comes to, you know, the room in general? Uh, you know, when it comes to all your, you know, all your students. You know, how do you? Um, how do you tailor, you know, the, the room for so many different kids? 
Sorry, <laughs> I had a cough. Oh, she's got something important to say. She <laughs> coughed before. So I have a lot of kids in my class. Um, so when I first got to this class um, last year, whoever the teacher that was in that class only had like six or seven kids. And now I have almost double that. So I had to make a lot of adjustments to my room. When I got in there, there was some tables that, you know, uh, multiple tables that were in there, um, like a big, some big mats and stuff like that. So I went ahead and I actually asked for some of that stuff that I necessarily wouldn't be using on a daily basis just to be removed from the class to create more space because I knew that I was going to have more equipment, more wheelchairs. Um, so really just making space for the needs that I would have and then moving around furniture. I have a swing in my room, which I just, um, you know, we just moved that around me and one of the therapists to see how that would fit best, like caddy corner or, you know, straight. That way we can, you know, can we get kids on the mat next to it? Can we, while one's swinging, will that be, you know, trying to figure it all out. Um, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> the accommodation, space, the accommodation yes. of space. So um, that's just, you know, and then even just getting the kids to all be sitting for lunch around, you know, around the table who, who will best... Um, would it be best for them to just have their tray on their wheelchair or will their chair go up and lower or raise to go up to the table? Um, just different accommodations like that in my classroom in particular. And that's just like when you're dealing with like, you know, multiple and overall, I, I think it's just a cool, you know, cool opportunity where, Hey, maybe you're a business owner and you know, you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, how can I make this more accessible mm -hmm. for my customers, you know, who mm -hmm. happen to have, uh, special needs maybe they come in you know on you know on crutches or in a wheelchair or or even just you know and, and dealing with a different type of disability one that's mm -hmm. more invisible but you know if you have uh if you have customers that have like sensory processing disorder you know, what's the music like right. in your place of business or you know or at your party like are you you know blaring it so that it's just impossible for somebody to focus you know and mm -hmm. and just kind of being able to you know go through all of that one of the things i noticed this is um this is like a, a, a thing. <laughs> um, Starbucks. Um, the Starbucks in our area renovated. They just, you know, made a change. And one of the things I noticed about their renovation is it's way more handicap accessible yeah. than Spacious. it was before. And it was because, yeah, they moved some of the furniture. They got rid of some unnecessary stuff. And uh, there's a couple of tables there that actually have chairs removed and spots specifically marked for, um, you know, customers yeah, with, with, uh, with wheelchairs. Um, but yeah, yeah. Emily likes that she's a fan of Starbucks. I, I feel like these <clears throat> accommodations are like it's a big deal because, like, even like you said, the kids that have maybe sensory processing disorders, or if they um if they have autism and just get overstimulated easily, or they don't like crowds, making, or if you're in a, in a wheelchair. Yep. <laughs> My bike went out <laughs> again. Um, just making it as easy as possible for these families to be able to attend because they, they already know going in that something might not work out. There might be, you know, issues moving around if they're in a wheelchair or with, you know, something being accessible or parents might think, Hey, I'm going to take my kid to a baseball game. Maybe they got, you know, free tickets, but they're like, is, you know, my kid might end up not wanting to sit through this whole thing or it's going to get, you know, too overwhelmed by the crowd. So making, just thinking of these accommodations beforehand, whether you're a business or it's at a birthday party or whatever, just to make it as easy as possible so that way even the things that go wrong aren't as big of a issue or as much of a defeat, I guess. I like <coughs> the idea of just making space. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, making space in your business, making space at the party, making space in your home. Just make space 
Um, and it can be accommodating for a wheelchair, for a child and a walker, or whatever it may be, but also creating space where a child can de-escalate. Mm -hmm. Or if they do become overstimulated or overwhelmed, that they have a space where they can go to and just find a, a chill spot, mm -hmm. you know, or something like that. Um, I did, I did want to point out, I know we're saying a lot of accommodate, and that could be a lot of thinking and a lot of processing for someone who's planning a party for a typical child, but yet are, is inviting a friend that may have a special needs. I, I just want to keep in mind and I want to encourage those parents, hey, these are simple accommodations to kind of keep in mind. Don't feel like you have to change your entire party mm. or the en entire outlook of what your child is celebrating because your child deserves to be celebrated and they deserve to have their friends there too. But maybe taking the time to communicate to a parent or a caregiver of a child who you want to invite and letting them know what to expect mm -hmm will set the pace for the party too, for that child, for the child with special needs. We are not saying to change, you know, the party and, and change the volume necessarily, but maybe, Hey, if it's a dance party, music's going to be going and it's loud, mm -hmm. maybe letting that parent know ahead of time or that child know ahead of time. And they, you know, they could bring earplugs or they could bring headphones that help mm -hmm. kind of cancel out some of the sound or, um, you know, creating that space, that chill spot, mm -hmm. you know, if they do get overstimulated, you know, we, we try not to stop anything from exposing Emily to anything, I should say, as far mm -hmm. as parties and outings and things like that. Sure. There are times when we're just like, we're not in the mood to go, or it's just way too hard to get to it, um, due to other instances or whatever. But for the most part, we try to always give her those opportunities. If she's invited to a party, we're going to make it work. Um, doesn't mean I don't cry in a corner when we're done, but <laughs> <laughs> because I know sometimes it sucks as a parent when you go to a child's party and you see the things that children can do versus your child who may not necessarily ever do. Right. Um, but, and I get that we get that as parents, Wayne and I, um, but the fact that she's exposed, she's invited, she's a part again, will break down those walls to be able to create that sense of inclusion where kids will start making, you know, making um, monster truck modifications, you know, modifications <laughs> that, you know, fit on the child's tray or right. may dance with a child that's that's in a walker, you know, including them in their life. Mm -hmm. I think that that's important, but I'm not saying to just change, you know, everything totally. Well, and the more exposure that the kids get to these kids trying these different mm -hmm. activities or them even seeing the accommodations that are being made, that puts it in their head and they remember yeah. and they're like, oh, for Emily, you know, we can do this or for whoever, you know, let's make sure we have this there for them. And that's so. usually the, the, the case, too, is like, you know, people end up thinking, oh, oh, this is something cool that we could do for Emily or this is something cool, mm -hmm. you know, that we could do for our other friends. And, you know, and then it becomes more in, you know more just a part of what they end up thinking about and doing and mm -hmm. it's just that's just kind of thing it's just being mindful about it mm -hmm. you know being really mindful and it goes uh, back to that initiation initiated you know, and those teachable moments so mm -hmm. so the the last note on on this for today now this is like just for today because this is one of those things where you know uh this is one of those topics that's going to keep coming up coming up coming up especially now that we laid the groundwork because now we're going to be going you know out into the wild and seeing, you know, accommodation happen and we want to bring it back for people. Um, but the other one is just inclusion, you know, and, and again, that goes with 
the party stuff, right? That goes with like, hey, we did this so that, you know, your child would feel included or we made this adjustment so that they could be, a, you know, part of things. Inclusion is just one of those things where, um, you know, and you hear it a lot because especially nowadays it's like, you know, it's a big word. There's a hashtag and, you know, all that. But inclusion is literally just thinking about how can I include everyone in every activity or in this particular situation. Um, any thoughts on that? What do you guys think of? Are you guys fans of inclusion? Huh? <laughs> inclusion <Absolutely>. rocks. <laughs> inclusion does rock. Um, no, absolutely. I think if you keep in mind some of those accommodations, you will see a sense of inclusion. And having those teachable moments with your kids and allowing them to see and be exposed and interacting with kids and adults with disabilities that they are, they'll become more sensitive and more aware. Mm. And I think with that creates the culture of inclusion and inclusion is not seeing the differences, but seeing the similarities mm. and having them be a part of your life day in, day out and not not necessarily focusing on the limitations, but what are the the abilities um, that a child can do and how they can be interacted with, be a part of, and even befriend. Right. You know, it's all about you know creating relationships with with others. Well, and and the thing is, you know, when it comes to inclusion and let's just say like school, you know, for instance, it's sometimes it's just some simple things where. Um, one experience that Emily had, you know, in school when she was younger was, you know, there was, there was a class within her school that was having, you know, a special, you know, project. They were, it was like a special book project. It was, we're going to read this book and we're going to do, you know, a craft together, you know, that involved it. And this teacher invited Emily's class to be a part of it. And for weeks, you know, they had been talking about, you know, Emily's class. And let me tell you about my friend, Emily. And let me tell you, you know, and this particular teacher did know, you know, she did know Emily, you know, mm -hmm. personally. So it was like, let me tell you about my friend and let me tell you what, you know, what you may notice that may be different, you know, but we're going to together, we're going to put both of our classes together and we're going to work together, you know, on a project. And when these two classes met, it was just really neat. Emily was at, you know, a particular table uh, and so many kids, it was, this was like the first time I'd experienced this as a parent where, you know, these kids were saying, Emily, come sit with us, Emily, come sit with us, you know, and they, you know, I brought Emily over and they all asked me so many great questions about Emily and, you know, um, you know, does she, what colors, does, does, what color does she like? What's her favorite color? What's, what's her mommy's name? What's, you know, we started kind of going through, you know, all these different things. And when we started talking about, you know, things that, we all had in common, you know, like what, you know, what's Emily's favorite Disney princess, you know, Rapunzel. And, you know, what's, <laughs> uh, you know, and just today, <laughs> today, uh, you know, and, and all that. But we started just kind of going through all the things that we had that were the same. And they were just so excited to interact with her and, and to be with her. And I think that's just, you know, when you have a culture of inclusion and you're just constantly thinking of, OK, how can we bring everybody together? You know, how can we, you know, do that? in a way that is, is going to be together. Not, not everybody's going to experience everything the same way, mm -hmm. but at least if you just open up the doors and say, okay, let's, you know, let's lay this out. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just think inclusion is just so important mm -hmm. that it's like if you know you have people in your life that have um, disabilities or you know you have people in your life that have children with special needs, just a couple of simple ways just to make sure that they are included 
can go a long, long way. Yeah, at, at my school, we also do um, like the Special Olympics program, and we had um, all of our ES, all of our kids that are in our ESE classes at the end of the year after practicing all these skills and stuff, like just either whether it's hopping, running, passing something, pulling something, depending on their um, abilities. We put together a culminating event at the end of the year, and we actually invite um, like gen ed, general education classes to come and support and cheer on our our kids that are performing and doing the event the and yeah so they came and they made like they were so excited these classes and they're you know they're in elementary school the ones that came so like they were so excited they made signs for the kids and they were cheering them on and they like they loved seeing them do what they can do like they they don't usually get to see them depending on which classes they're in if they're in um, self-contained classes which is where they're mostly inside their classrooms for most of the day um, they don't get to see what they do and what their abilities are. So when they were able to see them, you know, either hopping or um, rolling over speed bumps with their wheelchairs or whatever, you know, whatever it is, um, they loved it. So that was just a cool part of inclusion for for our kids to be able to interact that way. Love that. Uh, you want to know what my favorite example of inclusion was um, from like this week? What's your favorite? What is that? Cody Lee winning America's <laughs> oh, Got Talent. Yes, of course. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you talk about inclusion. It, it, you would think that there, there would was there was probably a time mm -hmm. where um, folks behind that show or any show whatsoever would say, "No, we we can't we can't put him on the show because mm -hmm. you know it, it." Number one, you know, it's pro they would probably even think, "Well, it's, well, it's not." You know, it, it's it wouldn't be good for him, or you know, or we can't put him on the show because. You know, um, what if and what if and like, you know, all these different things. Well, you know, they opened up auditions just like they would for anybody else. And Cody Lee got to audition and he blew everybody away with his initial audition. So much so that in the second round, um, a singer songwriter, Paul Simon, actually cleared, um, you know, Bridge Over Troubled Water, which never gets done at these mm -hmm. uh, reality shows. Allowed him to do it just because he saw Cody Lee's talent and his mm -hmm. heard his voice you know and you know got to do that and then week after week after week america voted <laughs> mm -hmm. you know and they voted for him and not only that but like you know we had throughout the course of america's got talent this year and it's one of my favorite shows to watch just because it's just you know it's just fun you know for the whole family you know but throughout the course of america's got talent this year there were several people featured on America's Got Talent that had disabilities mm -hmm. and special needs in, in some different way, mm -hmm. you know? And it was just really cool. I mean, in the finals, the top three of the top three, two of the top three finalists at America's Got Talent this year, you know, had disabilities, varying right. disabilities. Right. And it was just, you know, cool. And my favorite wrestler, Chris Jericho, was with <laughs> one of them. So anyway. Wrong, I, wrong I, podcast. I love that. At the beginning, <laughs> I loved that. The beginning of the season, the show highlighted and focused so much on what their disability was or, you know, kind of what their challenge was. Cody Lee, visually impaired. Cody Lee has autism. You know, so a lot of the headlines were, you know, Cody Lee, autism, great singer, you know, visually impaired. <laughs> Uh, you know, things like that. But I know that because of his talent and his ability outshined all mm -hmm. of that. Oh, yeah. The focus turned away from the disability to the ability and people were, were wowed. Mm -hmm. And it was just it was really that is 
is a great, great instance of, yeah. of inclusion. Absolutely. And really, the funny thing is, is that, I mean, what made him such a great singer, you know, it w- had nothing to do with his disability. Mm-hmm. I, I was reading, you know, uh, recently, he has perfect pitch. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's so rare. And like, I mean, uh, even as a singer, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like so rare. And he, he has that. And it's just. That's his talent. Man, that's a talent. That's mm-hmm. like, that's something I can never, mm-hmm. ever do. Uh, he could hear a song once and then play it from memory. But most, but that perfect pitch yeah. ability yeah. is because of the way his brain was. Is wired. Is yeah. wired. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm not saying specifically because of maybe the autism, but it could be because of the way his brain developed right you know that he does have that perfect pitch he does have that or being able to remember songs after one time because i sure right. could not do right. that <laughs> well and again it's like you know yeah. when you're visually impaired you know like that's right. really important to be able to do you know and so it's playing this yeah being I able to play he's, he's amazing yeah it was way just, to go cody lee, way to go, cody lee. Cody lee. we're big Heck fans yeah. yeah and you know we're just you know big fans of that and i mean honestly he does does a lot that i i could never do but a lot of the people on that mm-hmm. show are do stuff that i could never do so a lot uh, of these kids can do things <laughs> that i can never do that's for sure right i do want to mention a little bit about there there is a very big difference between true inclusion and inclusive opportunities mm-hmm. yeah you know i know a lot of families a lot of parents especially facing in the school system true inclusion is it's either there or it's not there um true true inclusion is kind of a seamless outlook of of the classrooms and of the school where every kid is a part of everything that happens in the school and it's it's seamless um it doesn't look different it doesn't it's not you know different classrooms for different things it's everything is just seamlessly um together and that's what true inclusion is uh, versus inclusive opportunities where you do have kids that can join kids with disabilities in a school setting or a child with a disability join general education um, classes and things like that a lot of schools are growing and learning about what true inclusion could look like and offering things like that. But I also think that as we started this podcast today, providing those those interactions and initiating those conversations and teaching, you know, anybody who's willing to, to listen and learn about our children and being willing to make those teachable moments, whether it's our students, our children, or our own children that we're advocating for. And then again, learning those accommodations, those simple ways in which we can help and um, be a part of, you know, ev- of these people's lives and, and just sharing and showing that they are respected and that they are valued can then create a culture of true inclusion where it is seamless and we don't necessarily see the differences. Emily agrees. <laughs> So good. Um, we're gonna um, we're gonna wrap up soon with our uh, last three items, talking about connection, parenting, and education. But before we do, if you're enjoying Specialized, let me encourage you to make a donation to Ability Tree Florida and support their mission. Ability Tree Florida is a nonprofit organization that comes alongside families impacted by disability and provides rest, R E S T, recreation, education, support and training and we have opened up a new portal to donating through the specialized podcast if you visit donorbox.org slash specialized podcast so you go to donorbox.org slash specialized podcast you could support the specialized podcast by donating to 
Ability Tree Florida. I bet you guys didn't get to see this yet, right? I'm going to unveil new stuff to you, okay? So if you go to donorbox.org slash specialized podcast, it'll take you to a donation portal. You can give $5, and $5 makes you a podcast listener and supporter of Ability Tree. You could donate $10 and become a podcast fan. That's a whole different level, okay? Mm-hmm. Podcast <laughs> fan and supporter of Ability Tree. You can donate $40. Did you know that if you donate $40, that makes you a sponsor of a family at Ability Tree Florida for one month. You could donate $80 and sponsor two families at Ability Tree Florida so they could participate in our uh, Parents' Night Out program for that month. If you donate $100, you could sponsor one support group meeting for parents of kids with special needs for one month. Okay, If you donate $400... You can sponsor a parents' night out for Ability Tree Florida, and you get a big thank you and a picture sent to you and everything. So uh, if you go to donorbox.org slash specialized podcast, you could be a part of it. And not only can you do that one time, but you can also sign up to do that monthly and become a regular supporter. And we, if you go to donorbox.org slash specialized podcast and you donate, we'll thank you live on the air on our next show. How so fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, a lot of different ways to get involved. And so check that out. And so now we're going to wrap up our time. We each, uh, every week, rotate a different um, area of our specialized podcast, talking about connection, education, and parenting. And uh, we kind of just share you guys a quick clip on uh, something that we uh, do, <laughs> so, something that we discovered. And so I want to go first because I... Uh-huh. I got, everybody's making fun of me. I got connection. And so I wanted to share with you guys something special about connections, okay? If you check out special books by special kids, okay? Now, Chris Ulmer is a uh, special education teacher or a special educator who uh, went viral because of a uh, ABC news story that was done on him. Uh, well, after that news story broke out, he started doing special books by special kids. It started off as a project to create books for kids with special needs, but it soon became um, a viral uh, a, a viral video series of yeah, a whole big interview library of him interviewing children and adults with special needs. And it's just been really cool just to see it grow. Chris Ulmer uh, is the the host of that. You can find it on Facebook, on Instagram. And on YouTube, where you can see the full-length videos. Mm-hmm. And when you search Chris's videos, guess what? You'll find a little video he did about three years ago with wow. Emily. So uh, yeah, that was I, a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I, I actually thought about reaching out to Chris again so he could see Emily three years later and see how far she has come. Uh, so special books by special kids. That's my special connection pick. Um, check it out. I'll provide links in the show notes. So we got connection. We've got education and we're going to send that over to diana me okay i have education this time and for mine uh kind of goes off of what tina was talking about earlier um about this having um asking about the child's story because that really does help um learning more about that child so in the classroom setting there's um this all about me um, worksheet or all about me paper that, that I think that it's good if a parent fills that out and then gives it to the teacher and you can find these things online you can find them on Pinterest or you can go to different websites and or you can make one yourself if you're crafty and you know creative, creative and good like that I guess you don't have to be crafty just creative 
or just able to use a computer. Um, <laughs> but on the All About Me, you can put like a photo of your child. You can um, tell just all, all about your child. So the name, the age, um, their strengths, what they're working on, what works best for them and what doesn't work for them. Just kind of give them a better idea of um, what they're working on, maybe what kind of equipment they use. And it just gives all sorts of information to best be able to service their child um, or your child if you're the one that's writing it. Um, so I kind of found that. Should I tell about the one that I'm looking at? Yeah. What's the website <laughs> on that one? Let me find it. So the one that I have here on my phone is growinghandsonkids.com. I think it's growing hands on kids. <laughs> <laughs> because punctuation is important. There's no punctuation because it's just a <laughs> website. Growinghandsonkids.com. Growing hands on kids, that's a whole different. Or it could be growinghandsonkids.com. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put the link in the show notes. Growinghandsonkids.com. I love it. And uh, Tina's got the parenting link. I do. So as a parent, I'm just going to chime in on Diana's as a parent. I do that um, for my child and it initiates quite a, quite a bit of conversation and dialogue with my child's teacher. And I appreciate that very much. The fact knowing that she's taken the time to read it mm -hmm. and the fact that she wants to know more about how she can include Emily in the classroom and accommodate for her as well. So that means a lot to me. Um, what I have is I have a parenting tip and I have an awesome podcast that I have been listening to for months now and I absolutely love it. It is called the Mama Bear Podcast. Oh. It's by Mary Susan McConnell and you can find her on Instagram. Mary Susan, if you're listening, <laughs> please know that I am a big, huge fan of yours. I love the fact that she says we're kicking back on her back porch and we're uh, just relaxing and just talking. A and beverage of your choice. Beverage <laughs> of your choice. And cocktails and mocktails. Um, but it just, it, it really is, she really does kind of put your mind at ease and know that you have a community out there of, of women, parents who are going through very similar situations, some a little bit tougher, some um, might be a little bit harder, uh, but some might be a little bit lighter. But either way, we're all connecting. We're a community. So I just love the support. I love that she does interviews with different parents and community leaders and, and, and educators as well. Um, but it's, it's an extremely well-done podcast and absolutely encouraging every time that I listen to it, every time that I, I, I usually listen to it at the gym as I'm working out, believe it or not. So, uh, <laughs> but it really fuels me and it really encourages me as a parent to just keep Keep on keeping on. And I listen to it, and I'm, and I'm not a parent, and but I'm like, oh, that's good points. Or she even has one on their uh, podcast about um, finding friends or being a friend or mm -hmm. whatever it was. So that's just good to listen to also. And I listen to it, and I'm not a mama bear. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> so it's for everybody. It it's for everybody. for everybody. Just like the Specialized Podcast is for everybody. Make sure you get connected with us. Tina, let us know how to get connected. Connect with us at SpecializedPodcast at gmail.com, at SpecializedPod on Instagram, at SpecializedPod on Twitter, and find us on Facebook at SpecializedPodcast. Guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. We are signing off. I'm Wayne. I'm Diana. And I'm Tina. Don't forget to find the joy in this specialized life.